My name is Chakras, episode 274. Preach not to others how they should eat, but eat as becomes you and be silent. The seven chakras, swirling vortices of energy, positioned throughout our body from the base of the spine to the crown of the head. For thousands of years, this ancient wisdom has been passed on from master to disciple. What are the functions of these energy centers? And could these chakras help you unlock your destiny and find your true purpose? Welcome to my seven chakras, and now your host, Aditya Jai Kumar. What's up, Action Tribe? AJ here, host and founder of My Seven Chakras, the show where we provide you the wisdom, the inspiring stories, and the action steps. to help you transform your life by taking action. So if you're new to your, to our show, then make sure that you know that you're in the right place and I want to give you a warm warm welcome. Now before we actually begin today's episode, I've got a quick gift for you. If you are interested in balancing your chakras, then you're going to love this. I've put together an HD video training that will help you activate your subtle energy sensitivity so that you can start feeling your seven chakras so especially if you're new to this field this will be a completely new sensory experience for you and the best part is that is it's a whole lot of fun okay so to get started start streaming your video go to my7chakras.com/1111 that's my7chakras.com/1111 make sure you go there and check out the video And with that, let's bring on our special guest for today, Carly Pollack. So, Carly, are you ready to inspire? Born ready. Awesome. So, Carly Pollack is the author of the book Feed Your Soul and is the founder of Nutritional Wisdom, a thriving private practice based in Austin, Texas. She's a certified clinical nutritionist with a master's degree in holistic Nutrition Carly has been awarded best nutritionist in Austin 5 years running and has helped develop and has helped support over 10000 people achieve their health and happiness goals so this is the book that we are going to talk about today feed your soul look at that good looking thing yeah exactly look at that <laughs> look at that it's a good looking right. book right there fresh vegetables that's exactly what you need food that supports your vibration and not the ones that reduce your vibes so little context little background action tribe i want to provide you some context and look at today's topic through the lens of the chakras all right because we talk a lot about chakras on our uh, podcast a lot about energy work and the food that we put into our bodies influences our chakras and our energy centers every food that we eat has a vibrational quality and property which depends on many factors like the color how fresh it is whether or not it's processed our food as we're going to learn today is connected with our thoughts our emotions and the story that we tell ourselves the narratives eating the right food can help us lose weight on a long term basis have more energy save time and money and ultimately leave us feeling very fulfilled and that's probably why the book that we're going to talk about is called feed your soul so thanks a lot thanks a lot uh, carly for joining me uh, really excited and glad thanks to have you thanks for having me yeah this is such an important conversation i'm just grateful that you are providing a platform for people to get this information absolutely is now um 
As you might know that we always begin every episode with a dose of inspiration. So what is that inspirational quote that you have for us and how do you apply it in your day-to-day life? I read this book many, many years ago and the quote that stuck with me from this book and the um, book was, I'm blanking on the title, it'll come back to me, but the quote was, preach not to others how they should eat, but eat as becomes you and be silent. Preach not to others how they should eat, but eat as becomes you and be silent. The book was written by Charles Eisenstein and the book's called The Yoga of Eating. Mm-hmm. And you know, to me, this quote Everybody, the quote means to me to find your unique medicine, to find the diet that works for you, and then to stop preaching to everyone about how they should follow in your footsteps, but just to make it your own path and be silent about it and let everyone be inspired by how vibrant and healthy and amazing you feel and have that be the way you put that teaching out into the world instead of what we have now, which is we're bombarded by everyone who thinks they are right in their form of eating. You have paleo, you have vegan, you have South Beach keto. There's so much diet controversy out there that it's really, really difficult for the average person who doesn't make this their lifelong career to really figure out what is the right thing for them. Right. I think that's a really, really profound statement. You know, we're finding each and every day that all of us are unique. Our DNA is unique. And so why would we have a cookie cutter approach to dieting and reducing weight, right? There are different diets, but we need to find out what works for us. And as you mentioned through the quote, be silent. That's phenomenal. So what inspired you to write your book, Feed Your Soul? How did you get started? You know, I I felt like in the beginning, I... As all writers do, I'm sure, you get this whisper, you know, oh, I I think I have something that I want to share with people. And in the beginning, I really fought against that voice because I just felt like in the nutrition field, there's just so many books and I didn't want to be yet another book in (laughs) telling people what to do. But this is not really a diet book. This is a mind book on how to create permanent change as it relates to your diet and to your body. And when I thought about how many people were out there spreading the message of how you can really create an authentic desire to wake up day after day and do the right thing, which is such a big change from can you do a 30-day cleanse or how long can you do this fast or detox, having an authentic desire means waking up in the morning and you can't wait to put all these nourishing, amazing foods into your body versus doing it out of fear because you don't want to be sick or have to buy a bigger size jeans or because you have a reunion or a vacation coming up, which is typically how we are motivated when it comes to our bodies. And when I realized that there wasn't a lot of information out there and how many clients I've helped, I felt like it was a new and inspiring message that did belong out there. Got it, got it. So there you go, Action Tribe. People who are watching this stream right now, just imagine how it would feel if you could wake up and really look forward to the food or the foods that you were going to have during the day, having that true happiness and the true seeking for your lunch or maybe your dinner. That's exactly what we're going to talk about on today's episode. Now, Carly, you speak about something called food karma. 
right? So what exactly is that? (laughs) (laughs) So I made up the term food karma. I realized that food has a vibration Mm -hmm. just like us as energy beings have a vibration. And the law of karma is, you know, what you put out comes back, what goes around comes around. And I realized that when we feel crappy, we tend to crave foods that make us feel crappy. So there is this kind of karmic boomerang when it comes to food. When we feel really great, when you leave a yoga class and you're walking on air, you don't want to eat fried chicken and biscuits. Yeah. I'm from Austin, so that's the first thing. You don't want to eat tacos and yeah. queso. You you want to eat a salad. You want to go grab a smoothie or a green juice. But when you're sitting at home alone on your couch and you're lonely, or if you're a woman and you're PMSing, it's like the only thing you could think of are these fatty, fried, chemical-laden processed foods, and there is this karmic-type relationship. The hard part is that in our language, we call these food comfort foods. Mm-hmm. It's quite the opposite. These foods are uncomfort foods. They make you feel uncomfortable. And because we know that words and thoughts have so much power, even by calling these foods comfort foods can create a great deal of misguided action on our part because we're going, oh, I'm so uncomfortable. I could use something comforting. Mm -hmm. And then the first thing we think about are these foods that ultimately will leave us with two problems, not one. And this is one of the tools that I use all the time to this day. When I have something I'm that's making me feel uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. And my mind says, ooh, you know what you need. And it gives me some craving for food. I'll say to myself, Carly, right now you have one problem, which is the way you feel emotionally and the story that's driving that. Mm-hmm. And if you eat this food, you're then going to have two problems, not one. You will have the original problem that was always there that would never be fixed by food. And now you feel bloated and gross and disheartened along your health path. And I'm not a mathematician, but to me, one problem sounds better than two. (laughs) And it's a way that I interrupt my pattern when I'm under the illusion that eating something is going to make me feel better or going to make my problem go away. Right, right, right. Some very valid points over here. Firstly, you mentioned the concept of food karma, which is so true. I was just talking to a friend the other day. And what we agreed on is that uh, the more often you go to the gym, or maybe you go to the yoga center when you come out and especially during the day, you don't feel like having, you know, processed food or foods that are not good for you. Vibrationally, you feel like putting some good stuff into your body, like a protein shake or some freshly cooked vegetables and things like that. And for some reason, if you miss out on a couple of days of training, that's when that craving starts again. So that's so true uh, that you, that you mentioned that. And the other thing is, Uh, what I found really profound is when you're having an emotional challenge or an obstacle, the solution is not to diagnose it with some physical food, right? You need to address the issue at the root cause instead of adding this comfort food into your body. So really fascinating. Yeah, it is. Now you've written that our food behavior, now diving a bit deeper, you've written that our food behavior stems from stories we often tell ourselves, right? And our belief systems. So could you give us an example of how this works? 
I write very early in the book a very simple formula that I reference throughout the remainder of the book, which is that our thoughts drive every emotion that we feel. And what we feel ultimately dictates how we act. Mm-hmm. So thoughts drive emotions and emotions dictate behaviors. And those behaviors will give us either a consequence or a reward, which creates a feedback loop that either changes our original thought or helps to solidify it. Mm-hmm. When we're looking at behaviors, we're looking at the surface of what's going on. And our culture is so obsessed with diets and diets are just behavior modification. Eat this, don't eat that. And I'm not anti-diets, and we can talk about that in a moment because I think that it's very confusing. People will say, wait, are you, are you pro-diet? Are you anti-diet? Mm-hmm. I am for getting to the root of the issue and healing it at its root so that the behavior really just becomes this manifestation of all of this inner work that you've done. Mm-hmm. So if I have a thought oh, it's Friday, I worked hard all week, I deserve a treat, or now it's time to party. Mm -hmm. Because in the past, I had this pendulum swing between food prison during the week, and I was very meticulous, and I took my lunch to work, and I counted my almonds, and I was on a diet. Mm -hmm. And then on the weekend, I would pendulum swing to reckless abandonment. Mm -hmm. And you know, if I have a thought on Friday saying, now it's time to party, then my behavior ultimately will be that I eat crap all weekend. And then if I wake up on Monday and I have a different thought and I say, ooh, my pants don't fit. I feel disgusting. I'm constipated. My skin looks horrible. Okay, I'm going to be on this diet. That drives a different behavior. Mm -hmm. But we get so distracted by the diet that we don't look at what's going on between our two ears, which is really what's driving the reality of your life. And that is the voice in your head and your success as someone who can create permanent change and live the life that they want Mm -hmm. in my mind is really just one factor. Can you separate yourself from the voice? Can you separate the self into a higher self and lower self? Mm -hmm. Can you ultimately control the voice in your head so that it drives an emotional state and ultimately behaviors that allow you to live your best life? Got it, got it. So what is something that a person can do to, you know, change this narrative or maybe deal with the thought, the nagging thought that they have on a Friday night that they deserve that comfort food or eating processed food or eating food that they know very well is not good for them? What can they do on an individual basis? The very first step is to be aware of it Mm -hmm. because you can't heal anything that there isn't complete awareness around. So first step is to be aware, what is the thought that drives your behavior? And I find that there's really only, you know, we are not creative beings in this way. We all have the same, you know, five or 10 stories. I deserve this. I'm too far from where I want to be anyway. I'll start tomorrow. Screw it. I don't care. I mean, there's, I can only count on one hand, maybe two, the amount of limiting belief we have when it comes to food. So the first step is to be aware of what is your particular story and pattern, thought pattern you go into. Okay. The second step would be to say the opposite of that thing and give yourself three reasons why that's true. And what you're doing is taking the the voice in your head, the mind, which loves to live in absolutes. Everything feels like fact. Mm -hmm. 
Mm-hmm. But just start to poke holes in that story. So if my story is, it's Friday, it's time to party, I've worked hard all week, then why don't I say, it's, it's Friday, it's not time to party with food. And let me give you three reasons why. Because the weekend is a time for me to replenish myself and to give myself the self-care that I may not make time for during the week. And that includes slowing down and making meals in the kitchen. A second reason is let me eat healthy foods the weekend because I care so deeply about my health and I want consistency. The third is that um, let me eat healthy to prove that these foods are not scarce. You know, part of why we overdo it on the weekend is because we create scarcity with food during the week. We know we're going on a diet. Sunday was always my most unhealthy day because in the back of my head, my thought was, girl, you know, you're going on a diet on Monday. Mm-hmm. You know, you know, you're going to wake up on Monday and somehow see the light and start eating healthy. And so Sunday night, even if I wasn't hungry, I would, it would be like this manic feeling like, what do I eat? I got to eat something. Do I want fries? Do I want chips? Do I want ice cream? Do I want cheese? What do I want? Mm-hmm. And I wasn't even hungry. I, I was, my intuitive eater was nowhere to be found. So to be aware of the story, to tell the opposite of that story and to give three reasons for that story to really, that new empowering story to be true, starts to create a new neural pathway in the brain that allows you to go into that story much more quicker than if you didn't even know what was happening. Got it, got it. So a lot of knowledge bombs dropped over here. Firstly, detach yourself from your mind and become the observer and realize and recognize some of the thoughts that are dominating your mind and then change uh, the meaning that you give to those thoughts um, uh, away from processed food and away from uh, stuff that no longer serves you towards uh, having food that is really healthy and towards spending some quality time in the kitchen to maybe make food for the week or make food for the next few days. Um, so it's all about changing that story. Now, uh, for someone who's watching right now, someone who is watching this stream at this moment, who wants to lose some weight before summer begins or in the next few months, what is one myth or maybe two myths that you often see spread about uh, the process of losing weight? One myth I would say is that if you want to lose weight, you have to count calories. Mm. I am vehemently against calorie counting for more reasons than we can even, you know, we could do a whole hour on calorie counting. Okay. But for, for the number one reason, which is it shuts off your intuitive eating guide because now you're looking at numbers and going, oh, I have 200 calories left, so I should eat this. Or I'm actually physically hungry, but I'm, I'm out of calories for the day, so I need to starve myself until tomorrow. Right. And it just creates this obsessive, unhealthy relationship with food, which ultimately bleeds into an unhealthy relationship with body image. So that would be one myth. Um, the second myth with weight loss is that I, it would probably have something to do with people believing that they have to either go low fat or that they can't have any carbs or that they have to be perfect. I'll go with that one. That the second myth is people think they have to go on a diet and they have to be absolutely perfect. If you feel like you have to do all the right things in order to lose weight, there is something off hormonally with your body. You should be able to, you know, 85% do the right thing and 15% 
have balance and still have the body physically begin to show you signs of improvement. Mm-hmm. So calorie counting is something that I, was, that I was intuitively against. I mean, a lot of people have mentioned people that I know that you should you know, count your calories. A, that's difficult to do. It's a lot of work. And B, I'm of the belief that uh, historically, through the evolution of man, man has always uh, had food, not, you know, like breakfast, lunch, and dinner, but whenever they have food available, right? Whenever they need to really eat. And so my question is, what are your thoughts on intermittent fasting? Because I myself, I tend to skip breakfast. Uh, and I find that like my energies throughout the day have really improved. I find it, uh, uh, it, it, it serves me. And also from an evolutionary standpoint of not having to have that regimented breakfast, uh, snack in between and lunch and then snack and then dinner, it's really freeing. So what are your thoughts on that? Different diets work for different people, just as intermittent fasting would be, and I define a diet as a way of eating. So intermittent fasting would be, you know, a type or an aspect of dieting. I personally, you know, I have a a young baby right now, so I'm breastfeeding. But before I I was pregnant, I practiced intermittent fasting and it worked really well for me. And I plan on picking it back up when I am no longer breastfeeding. But I will say there are some people for which intermittent fasting would be unhealthy. Uh, Of course, pregnant and breastfeeding moms. But also I notice people with hormone imbalance, thyroid issues, autoimmune issues. Sometimes intermittent fasting can cause more stress than it can Mm. benefit. But for someone who's practicing it and feels very balanced and feels good doing it, there are tremendous benefits to intermittent fasting. Uh, And I would say that Dr. Joseph Mercola has done quite a bit of work on this. And the person I follow the most is Dr. Sachin Panda. And he has studied, he has a PhD in something related to intermittent fasting. And he coins something called circadian rhythm fasting. And it's a type of intermittent fasting where you're not just eating within an eight hour window of time or a little larger uh, or smaller, depending on what you're practicing. But he said, it's not just eating within that window, but it's also eating according to the sun and moon cycle. Uh. When you talk about, you know, intuitively looking at how we've evolved and saying, okay, intermittent fasting makes a lot of sense. It makes even more sense to me that at night we didn't eat because we weren't hunting because we couldn't see mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> during the day we were hunting. We brought back the food, we cleaned the food, we ate the food. And then when the sun went down, we went to sleep. So, you know, I think that you would be very interested in checking out Dr. Sachin Panda's work and he has an app called zero zero. Okay. And that app is very simple, but it helps you track your intermittent fasting and there's information about his studies on there. Awesome. So is, is it called circadian rhythm based fasting? Is that what it's called? Yes. And circadian okay. rhythm is a fancy term for the 24 hour sleep and wake cycle that happens actually whether we're sleeping or not. And, you know, for anybody watching or listening who has young children, when babies are born as babies, we don't have a internal clock. That's why they wake up every two hours and, uh, you know, <sighs> Yes, but they have no internal rhythm. And then after many months, I don't know, my nine-month-old still doesn't have it. 
<laughs> but after a few months, their internal body clock starts to regulate with the sun and the moon. Right. And this is why we sleep, we wake, and our organs cleanse at certain times, according to Chinese medicine as well, according to the circadian rhythm. And so um, I found his work to be particularly interesting. I would say to anyone who's tried anything that we're talking about saying it's healthy, whether it's intermittent fasting or low carb dieting, and it's just not feeling good for them, that is where I want you to really transcend the dogma of, hey, this sounds good on paper and scientifically this makes sense, but for some reason my body is not reacting to it. Truly, we have to become so much more intuitive when it comes to our bodies, but the language of the body is to speak in symptoms or lack of symptom. And it's just not a language that we've ever learned. In the book, I dedicate a chapter to teaching people about specific food and what you should eat to lose weight and be healthy because I knew that if I wrote a book that was about nutrition but didn't give people guidance that they would be upset. So I did dedicate one chapter to say, okay, listen, the rest of the book, we're not going to talk about this because this is not what this is about. But Here's this information you're looking for. And then there is a piece of finding your unique medicine. And I'm teaching people how to figure out what works for them by teaching them how to listen to their body cues. This way, they're not relying on a book uh, that's saying, okay, this paleo worked for me, so it's going to work for you. Or going to someone who, um, you know, as a practitioner, I always tell my clients, it's always a red flag if you sit in front of somebody and without them really having intake, they say, okay, I know exactly what you should be doing. How? Mm. Everyone is so incredibly different. And it's not just that we're different from each other. It's that we are different from ourselves at certain parts of our lives. You know, our body is constantly evolving. And you've probably heard one diet works for no one, but one diet doesn't work for the same person at different, different. seasons of their life. Yeah. Yeah. So there you go, Action Drive. If you're watching right now, make sure you're taking down some notes as well, or you know exactly what to do after today's session. Uh, we're learning that when it comes to dieting, when it comes to putting foods into your body, you need to keep in mind uh, a number of things. One is uh, the season that you're in, the phase of life that you're in, whether you're pregnant or not, whether you're uh, running a marathon, whether you need a high level of energy or nutrients, things like that. And most importantly, Listen to your body as well, because uh, we, we've, we've taught ourselves to forget about our inner voice and our intuition, but that is important, especially when it comes to putting food in your body. If it doesn't feel right, then it's probably not right, or maybe you need more information, more guidance. It's always good to counsel with, a, with an expert or a practitioner. Now, you've alluded to this a bit, uh, Carly, but could you talk to us about the different levels of food freedom? And how they are related to the term called food prison. <laughs> yes. <laughs> it, look, I make up all these words, apparently. Yeah. Food karma, food freedom. <laughs> In the book, I talk about how I've realized that there's really two levels of food freedom. And the first okay. level is quite basic and on the surface. And the food freedom that I'm speaking about is when someone says, I am not on a diet. I am free to eat whatever I want. So this is food freedom. And these people feel really restricted on certain diets. The next level of food freedom, which I would consider a more enlightened way of looking at it, is to say food freedom for me really means body freedom. 
And so it's not that I'm eating whatever I want because food freedom when you're eating whatever you want really creates body prison for people. Okay. If I ate whatever I wanted, I would eat fries every meal. I'm not kidding. (laughs) And brownies and cookies because I love that stuff just as much as the rest of everybody does. But it's that second deeper, more enlightened level of food freedom says, you know what? I can eat whatever I want. I choose not to. I choose to eat the foods that my body is telling me when I'm in clarity are not good for me. And that creates this level of body freedom and freedom in my life that is so far beyond what that low level of, oh, I can eat what I want when I want it, but I don't get to feel the way I want when I want it. And there's this famous quote by Jocko Willink, I think his last name is. Yeah. Yeah. And he says, discipline equals freedom. Mm -hmm. And I think about that all the time. And, And in the book, I talk about the difference between discipline and willpower. And because people use it, those words so interchangeably and, you know, another myth that I would say that people think is that it shouldn't be this hard. And I hear that from my clients all the time. It's really hard. And it's like, it's not supposed to be easy. (laughs) It's a very important piece of our lives. And I don't, I don't need it or want it to be hard for people, but there are still points in every single day for me where it's hard to sit in meditation. It Mm -hmm. is hard to get in the kitchen and cook when I really just want to watch TV. It is hard to get my butt up early so I can exercise. Mm -hmm. These things require discipline, uh, but they are worth it. They are worth their weight in gold. Yeah, definitely a big fan of Jocko Willink. Um, I watch his videos that come on YouTube from time to time. And what he does mention also is, well, uh, for context, uh, Action Tribe, he is an ex-Navy SEAL, uh, highly trained, exceptional war veteran. And now he does more leadership uh, type of stuff for corporates and, and stuff like that. So but anyway, he, he says that, you know, whenever you have a challenge or an obstacle, what he says is good. He says, good, because now you have more time to think about how you're going to navigate and overcome that obstacle. No matter what challenges you're facing in life right now, look at it differently. Don't look at it as a, as a failure, but look at it as another stepping stone towards your success. And also, he, 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 he talks about waking up early, right? Discipline equals freedom. Wake up in the morning. Wake up, and, he, and he shares these uh, posts, I think, on, on Instagram. With his, with his watch at four something in the morning. Every, every I, got, I got so inspired. You know, I got so motivated uh, watching it. I was like, 4.30. I got to get up at 4.30. I got to sleep early. And I did. I woke up at 4.35. One day. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> well, I mean, 4.30 is definitely excessive for me. Yeah. Uh, but... <laughs> You know, and, and for everybody watching and listening, it's, you don't, ha- it's not black and white in so order to live, you know, it, you don't have to get up at 4.30 and only eat vegetables and never eat sugar. Mm-hmm. That is not a life that I want to live. It's about doing more of the right things that will get you to the place where you want to be. Uh, that is the focus, not how perfect can I be today? Because that really leads people down a rabbit hole. They have this completely healthy day of eating. They have their healthy breakfast. They wake up on time, whatever. And then they're at the office and someone brings in cookies. Mm. And that voice starts going, that voice in the head. And ultimately, they wind up eating the cookie. Well, then they say, well, screw it. Today's ruined. Might as well 
Start tomorrow, start Monday, start the first, start the new year, whatever that story is, back to that formula, thoughts ultimately drive behaviors. If you eat the cookie, you ate the cookie. Mm -hmm. There's, it's only 3 p.m. (laughs) You still have a lot of time left in the day. And this is really an, an important takeaway. I don't measure my success with healthy eating or with exercise or with anything, you know, in relationships, I don't measure my success success with how perfect I can be. I measure my success for when I fall off or out of clarity with what I want, how quickly I can get back on track. And so if I eat the cookie and then get back on track the rest of the day, honestly, to me, that is more successful than not eating the cookie, torturing myself about not eating the cookie, being friggin' miserable by the end of the day because I feel so restricted. And yeah, I may go to sleep and physically wake up feeling leaner or a flatter stomach tomorrow, but I'm not happy. And the end goal of all goals is to be happy and not oh, well, these junk foods are going to make me happy. And Carly said, you should just be happy. (laughs) So I'm going to eat the foods. Did you hear her? She said, just be happy. (laughs) Bring on the Cheetos. But it's, it's about the fact that I was able to do some deep spiritual work and recover my thoughts and recover my clarity and get back to a place of feeling like I'm in alignment with the type of life I want to live. I feel if people would give themselves a little bit of grace in that way and look at success and and redefine it that way, there would be so much less black and white extreme on and off dieting. Got it. Got it. So there you go, Action Tribe. If you're watching right now, if you're enjoying the session, if you're enjoying what Carly is sharing, if you're enjoying this discussion, make sure you give us a heart, give us a thumbs up, share this stream on your uh, Facebook page in groups that you know of because this information needs to spread. It needs to go out so that people are able to take this and transform your life. Now, Carly, from cookies to cooking, talk to us about cooking at home and how it relates to proper nutrition and maybe even losing weight. This I hate to be Debbie Downer about this because you know most nutritionists will give you all of these places around you, you can eat healthy, you can grab this. And of course I do the same thing too for my clients. And there's always the the better, the better bad choice (laughs) or like the best possible (laughs) choice you can make. But the goal of a chef at a restaurant is to make the food taste good. And that is just Uh. the bottom line. And it's to keep the food costs down and to make the food taste good. And there are so many invisible foods Foods that you can't see that, you know, for example, a long time ago, I went to this restaurant in Austin and the chef, chef happens to be married to my cousin. So, um, so we're at the restaurant and I order a salad and I think to myself, I want to be even healthier. So I'm going to order a side of Brussels sprouts. Okay. And he comes over to say hi to us. And I said, chef, Drew, these Brussels sprouts taste so good. I never get mine to taste this way how did you make them? And he said, well, we fried them. Mm-hmm. And, you know, anytime you fry a food, it's now a dead food. So this Brussels sprout is just a French fry in a prettier outfit. Right. And I thought I was doing the right thing by adding another vegetable. And the truth is, if you're eating something at a restaurant and you say, I make this exact thing at home, but it doesn't taste as good. It is too good to be true. It's because there's an entire stick of butter. 
And I'm not anti-butter, but I'm anti an entire stick of butter that I don't know about because I would never put an entire stick of butter in my, you know, in my food. And these Brussels sprouts did not have, um, they did not look fried. They did not have breading on them. They were crunchy, but, you know, I figured they were baked or stir fried. And it's just a perfect example of an invisible food, something that you really can't see, but is causing ill health for you. And cooking at home is really the only way for you to have your two hands in the food is the only way for you to not only control what you're eating, so to infuse love into the food. And I do believe there's something about, you know, taking that effort to nourish yourself and saying, you know, I am going to, my my own hands are going to prepare this food. And, you know, if 80% of the time you eat home and 20% of the time you eat out, that's fantastic. Mm -hmm. Or if that's what you do already, then I'd like you to push yourself to 90%. My, I have a, um, a rule that I follow, which is I have two free meals per week and those free meals are, I eat whatever I want, not quantity. I don't want to overeat, but I choose whatever I want this way. Nothing to me feels off limits. If I want pizza, if I want a donut, if I want French fries. And so usually those two meals I'll eat out at a restaurant and then the rest of the meals I make at home. Got it. Got it. So do you carry your meals in like a, like a case or something when you go out, when you're at a meeting, maybe, and you want to have your lunch? Absolutely. I bring my lunch to the office when I'm at the office. And there obviously are places around every one of us, no matter where we live, where you can go and get a salad. And a salad is the least likely to have an invisible food, unlike a mashed potato or, you know, something like that. And um, there are places where I know I can go out and grab something that is going to be the closest to what I can make at home. Got it. Got it. So let's say you have your food right now. Uh, what are some conscious eating uh, principles or habits that we can learn to just eat more consciously? One of the habits is to know the difference between physical hunger and emotional hunger. There's really only two reasons why we eat. We eat because we have a physical need for it and we eat to shift an emotion. The hard part about this is that there's 200 plus emotions we can feel. So at times it feels like we're eating for 200 reasons mm-hmm. <laughs> other than we're hungry. Mm-hmm. For me to simply just ask myself to close my eyes when I walk into the, you know, into the kitchen or I open the pantry or the fridge and to just close my eyes and say, am I hungry? Mm-hmm. And, and check in with my stomach. There, there's a rating system. You could do one to five or one to 10 just to give yourself some idea of 10 being incredibly full and one being starving. Mm -hmm. And where are you along that hunger scale? So this way you can go, "Hmm, could I wait? That's another question I tend to ask myself because I am a, uh, you know, in the past I was a complete overeater. I was like a goldfish. If you put food in front of me, I would just eat it. And now when I ask myself, am I physically hungry? A lot of the time my mind is so quick to answer yes. And and a lot of people listening to this will go, yeah, I don't know if I can trust myself if I ask, am I hungry? Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if I really trust the answer. And so if you if you don't 100% trust the answer, I ask a second question, with, which is, can I wait right now? If I was to walk away from food, could I wait to eat something? Right. And that typically gives us a much clearer answer, like, oh, I'm hungry. But yeah, I guess I could wait another 20 minutes, hour before my blood sugar starts to drop and I really feel hungry because when we're hungry, we know. Mm -hmm. 
Don't you agree? It's like when you're hungry, yeah. one, you crave true nourishment, not a bag of chips. But when I'm hungry, if you ask me if I could wait, it is a very clear, no, get out of my way. I'm going to eat your arm sort of thing. <laughs> oh, yeah. Totally, totally true. I mean, in my case, like I do intermittent fasting and I've got gotten better and better at it. Um, I used to feel really hungry in the morning before, but then uh, I slowly moved to having my breakfast at 12.30 to 1.30 to 2.30. And it's working for me. Like, it, you know, different stuff works for different people. But at like 2.30, I want to have a nice big meal, a nutritious meal. Because like you mentioned, you know, when you're hungry, and when it is time, you know, you just want to eat. Uh, so thanks a lot for sharing. Uh, Carly, based on what we have discussed today, we've spoken about so many different topics, uh, nutrition, our thought patterns, our narrative, how to recognize those triggers and moments of truth, so to speak. What is it one action step that you'd like to recommend for someone watching right now? Other than to buy the book, Feed Your Soul. <laughs> <laughs> I would say the number one most important action step you can take is right after you listen to this, and remember there's going to be a window, and the window is probably about five seconds before your mind talks you out of doing something, Mm -hmm. is as soon as you stop listening to this, to get out a piece of paper or get on your computer and pull up a note and write down your ideal vision of health. What does it look like for you? What do you look like? Even to the point of what are you wearing? I want it to be so specific that I could read it out loud and throw it on a, on a television screen. And it almost plays like the trailer of you living your best life. So, you know, I remember when I was pregnant and, and because we have different visions as we go through life. So after I had the baby and my body was, you know, a hot mess (laughs) right after I had the baby, I had to create a new vision and I visualized walking down the beach and my curly, you know, Jufro was going in the wind and I had my husband next to me holding the baby in a baby Bjorn and we were walking down the beach and I had a bathing suit on and I had my old bikini on and my stomach was flat and I could feel the sun on my skin and I, I can almost describe it to you where I can feel all of those sensations, like true manifestation, true visualization. Mm-hmm. And I would tell everyone to make it that specific. And then for the next 30 days, wake up and read that every morning and then visualize how you're going to go into the day. Something I do mostly every morning is even while I'm brushing my teeth, this does not have to be in meditation, but while I'm brushing my teeth or putting on my makeup, I visualize how I'm eating, how I would like to eat throughout the day, Mm -hmm. saying no to this, eating slowly here, making the right choices. And then I visualize myself on the couch at night saying, oh, wow, I really, you know, kick butt today and, and waking up the next morning feeling lean and, and energetic. And, you know, my digestive system is healthy and I'm already putting out there what I want to happen. And it's so much more likely that when I get to that place where someone says, here, you want a cookie or you want to go out to eat instead, even though I've totally have my meal prepped, it's almost like I've, I've rehearsed it and it comes so much more easily to me. Got it. So thanks a lot for sharing Action Tribe. And we keep learning in our podcast that the mind does not know the difference between something that you vividly imagine and something that's happening around you, the more you visualize, the closer and closer you get to your 
true reality which you want to manifest and it's powerful it's true but you need to be consistent with it to read the entire show notes for today's episode including the inspirational quote what is going to be shared in the wisdom round the book recommendations and things like that make sure that you visit my seven chakras.com forward slash 274 that's my seven chakras seven is a word my seven chakras.com forward slash 274 Action Tribe, did you know that for thousands of years, Buddhist monks have been using a certain mushroom called lion's mane along with meditation for greater focus and calm? What if you could, in the same way, awaken your mind and support your well-being every morning by just sipping some nice hot coffee? Let me explain. Four Sigmatic is a superfood company that specializes in mushroom-based drinks that really benefit your immunity, energy and focus. And quick story, I was attending an energy healing workshop and during lunch they were serving some really tasty and healthy food like salads and hummus and juices and I noticed Four Sigmatic Mushroom Coffee Mix and that got me really intrigued so I tried it out and ever since I've been hooked. Because the thing is that not only is this coffee really tasty because their products are made with 100% organic Arabica coffee beans, but you also experience greater energy and clarity, unlike regular coffee, which sometimes gives you the jitters. Now, Four Sigmatic has a range of amazing products such as mushroom coffee, mushroom elixirs, hot cacaos, and superfood blends. And the one that I love most is the mushroom coffee mix, which is really easy to use. You just tear and mix with hot water. And it is the perfect kickstart to your morning. And guess what? It contains lion's mane mushrooms used by Buddhist monks for enhanced concentration during meditation. Now, I can tell you a lot about the product, but there's nothing like trying it for yourself. And I highly recommend you try it just once and let me know because I'm sure that you're going to love it. Now, they've got a really special offer for our listeners. Receive 15% off your Four Sigmatic purchase. Go to foursigmatic.com forward slash action tribe or use discount code action tribe at checkout. If you'd like to try out their mushroom coffee mix, which is the one I'd recommend you begin with and receive 15% off your Four Sigmatic purchase, go to foursigmatic.com, F O U R sigmatic s-i-g-m-a-t-i-c dot com forward slash action tribe or use discount code action tribe at checkout the link you need is foursigmatic.com forward slash action tribe or use discount code action tribe at checkout again we're not done yet we still have a portion of our show left it's not that i'm smart it's just that i stay with problems longer. Now, this is an amazing quote by Albert Einstein. And this is something that I found to be so true. Resilience is one of the strongest qualities that sets humans apart. And sometimes we give up when we're just one step away from that transformation or that solution or that obstacle in front of our path, right? Uh, There are some problems that are complex, that are difficult to solve, that we cannot do individually. But like one of the most smartest geniuses in the world, Albert Einstein once mentioned, sometimes you just have to stay with that problem for just a little longer because help is on its way and you might be closer than you can imagine to the solution that you're looking for. So build that resilience, keep trying and do not give up. So Carly, talk to us about one life challenge that you have gone through or have experienced in your life. Um, How did you go through it and how did you 
uh, overcome it or come out of it. Let's see here. <laughs> you know, it's hard. It's funny that not a lot comes to mind, probably because I've trained myself to not look at anything as as a challenge, you know, as something that that was negative and looking at everything as something that is happening for me, not to me. But mm-hmm. as I'm babbling, I guess I would think about, you know, when I first moved to Austin, I'm a New Yorker at heart. I grew up in Staten Island, which is gross. So I don't tell anybody that, (laughs) (laughs) but I moved to Austin and I was getting my master's degree and I wanted to work for Whole Foods Market. And long story short, I wound up working for Whole Foods Market because their world headquarters is here. And I piloted the first ever nutrition consulting program for the company. And at the time, you know, I was, I was working John Mackey, who is the CEO of Whole Foods and a very lovely man who I respect greatly and, and love. And I have a friendship with him, but he was, he is a pretty diehard vegan and no oil. And, uh, I remember there was this point before they started a program that they still have to this day, I believe, which is called health starts here. And they were pushing, um, basically a vegan, no oil protocol and diet. And I sat down with some of the high ups at Whole Foods and they said, listen, Carly, if you're a nutritionist, you're going to need to recommend this diet. We can't have you, understandably so, and I agree with them, we can't have you in the store telling people, you know, different diets work for different people because we're about to throw out this program and we really need you to be on board. And I was just so, you know, upset and beside myself. And I was so scared because basically my job was being threatened. And, and um, not that they said that, but I realized for me, ethically and morally, I, I cannot sit with everybody and tell them to do a vegan, no oil lifestyle when I believe that that would be a poisonous diet for some people, mm-hmm. myself included. And so I had been thinking at the time that I wanted to start my own practice, but I was scared just like everyone has fear when they're about to make a change. And this was the thing that pushed me because I could no longer stay there. And this was over 10 years ago, it was about 11 years ago. And I started my private practice. And, you know, today we have three offices. I have, you know, there's, there's two other coaches in the practice. We have online courses and it's just, it's been this beautiful gift Mm-hmm. That I was pushed out of Whole Foods and not wanting to leave um, because of fear. So that was a time where I was very challenged, but I look back and it was such a blessing that they really pushed this, the separation of that relationship. And then they got to promote and do what, what they felt was right in their heart. Right. And then I, and, I, and I was able to do mine. So it was looking back a, be- a beautiful time, but it was a very stressful time because I didn't have all the tools that I have now. And for all of us, when we t- tend to be you know in it, we're super stressed. And then in hindsight, we go, oh, that was a blessing. And one of my commitments in my life is that when I'm going through something that we would call stressful, that I don't want to live my life in hindsight. And I say that all the time, that when I'm in it, I want to use my tools when I'm in it. I want to surrender when I'm in it. I want to have faith and and use the core beliefs that I talk about in the book. A a big thing of me making permanent change with my body is that I was eating because of my anxiety. Mm -hmm. So I had to change a lot of my core beliefs that were driving me being this anxious person. And so um, that is one of my 
you know, real goals is to not live my life in hindsight. And when things aren't going the way I want that I use tools to work my way through them and still remain grounded and at peace. Got it. So based on your story, based on what you just shared, what is that one life lesson that you'd like to share with our viewers right now? I would say that your life will become much easier or in the flow if you believe that everything happens for you and not to you. Got it. Very, very profound, very apt. Thanks a lot for sharing. Action Tribe, I hope you've learned something new on today's session so far. And I hope that you're going to you know, go back home with some uh, things to do, with some items on your list, and maybe people that you could meet in order to take those next steps towards a transformation. And I just have to interrupt you because someone's on the feed saying that he was born and raised on Staten Island. <laughs> and, I think that's, and so we're kindred spirits and I hope you got out of Staten Island. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Awesome. Our, our live community is building and growing. So make sure you share, make sure you give us that heart because in next, in the next live stream, we're going to have a larger community as well. And again, there's one common factor that I noticed among all the guests that I've interviewed in the last three and a half years of doing my seven chakras, that there's a thread that binds them all. And the one thing that unites them is the fact that all of them wake up each and every day, striving and fighting and working towards something larger than themselves. The grand sense of purpose uh, is what keeps them motivated, what keeps them going and driven and really alive. And I think that this is powerful because uh, knowing why you are doing something will really help you, you know, keep on going, especially when there are obstacles and challenges and difficulties and things that come out of nowhere in your life because they will. And this is why uh, it's important to have that why and, and to have that grander sense of purpose, because when those challenges occur, you will not just go through it, you will grow through it. And that's why Friedrich Nietzsche once said, he or she who has a why to live for can bear almost any how. So if you have a why, then you can bear all the obstacles and challenges and nutritional challenges that you might be facing right now. And if you want to lose that weight, it's possible. If you want to feel more energized, it's possible. If you want to feel more fulfilled, that's possible too, because there is a solution. And with that, we are now at the last round for today, which is called the wisdom round. So Carly, what is that one piece of advice, that best piece of advice that you've ever received from someone? My aunt's husband came up to me one day and I'll leave the context out of it, but he said something very profound and extremely simple, which is don't settle. And I never forgot that. So if you could go back in time and spend one hour with someone who is currently dead or living, who would that be? Eckhart Tolle. Got it. <laughs> what is that? And the only reason why I know this answer so quickly is because we were just talking about this yesterday, my friend and I, and I said him <laughs> or, you know, Oprah. <laughs> definitely. Definitely. <laughs> so what is it? One thing that you do in the morning or maybe in the evening before going to sleep that really, uh, has improved the quality of your life? Oh, this is easy. Every night before I go to sleep, I ask myself four questions every single night. The first is, what did I do that was great today? 
And I always celebrate something that I've done. The mm-hmm. second is, how could I improve? The third is, what am I going to do tomorrow to put this improvement into action? And the fourth and last question is, how did I meet and overcome resistance today? Got it. And if you could recommend one book for our listeners today, uh, what would it be? Right now, I'm rereading The Untethered Soul by Michael Singer, and I love him. Every, uh, you know, it's a very popular book, but his second book, The Surrender Experiment, was so fantastic. So if you've read his first, definitely pick up The Surrender Experiment. And if you don't know about Michael Singer, then you can start with The Untethered Soul. So there you go, Action Tribe. I know that all of you watching and listening to our show love the book recommendations that are shared on the show. That's why audible.com has offered to give our listeners one free audiobook with a free 30-day trial in order to try out their service, which is basically books, but you can listen to these books. And they've got a huge library that you can listen to on iPhone, Android, or Kindle. And they have the untethered soul and the surrender experiment as well. They've got all the books. So to get your book, download, uh, to download your book, go to my7chakras.com forward slash free book. That's my7chakras.com forward slash free book. So Carly, thank you so much for joining us on today's show and coming with us live. Um, for now, what is it one thing that you're really grateful for and how do our listeners get to know more about you? I'm really grateful for my family today. I'm having the day to be with my daughter because I'm normally working, which I guess I'm working right now. <laughs> but, <laughs> but the rest of the day, I'll be with my daughter, and that's a, that's a beautiful thing. Everyone can find me on Instagram at Carly Pollock at carlypollock.com. That's C-A-R-L-Y-P-O-L-L-A-C-K.com. My private practice in Austin is called nutritionalwisdom.com. And I'm on Facebook and I'm all around. So head to the website, carlypollock.com and sign up for my free weekly emails. That'll be the best way to stay in touch. Got it. So Action Tribe, thanks a lot for joining us today. If you're listening to this on our audio podcast. And if you want to get the book, uh, which I highly recommend you do, then make sure you go to my7chakras.com forward slash 274 book. That's my7chakras.com forward slash 274 book for viewers. This is the book. It's an amazing book. Um, A lot of amazing wisdom and actionable advice that you can take in order to transform your relationship with food and, and feel great, lose weight and feel fulfilled. So Carly, thank you so much for joining us on today's show, talking to us about how we can feed our soul and taking us one step closer to a human revolution. Thank you so much. You are listening to My 7 Chakras. Go to mysevenchakras.com. Download your free gift, get inspired, and take action. Transform your life today.